Hello, my friends, and welcome to this new episode of the Daily Walk Heavenwards podcast. Certainly, we are living in a very particular time, and uh, we want to focus even more on our relationship with God and how our actions can impact others. Let's open our hearts and minds to welcome the Word of God for this week, and uh, let's bow our heads and pray. O oh God, author of every mercy and of all goodness, who in fasting, prayer, and almsgiving have shown us a remedy for sin, look graciously on this confession of our lowliness, that we who are bowed down by our conscience may always be lifted up by your mercy. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired of his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked them and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, you're right in saying I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people said that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, 
the Father seeks such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am He, the one speaking with you. At that moment, His disciples returned and were amazed that He was talking with a woman, and still no one said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her the water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? Then they went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do, do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the, to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Suddenly, this land has taken a turn that we did not expect, huh? But it's an opportunity for us, certainly, to enter into this historical situation, this event that we are all experiencing all around the world, and acknowledge the fact that we are more connected than we think as human beings. And certainly, even though a lot of people are suffering, because of this virus, this situation, we can hear the cry that they are offering up, especially as we read the first reading. People were wondering, is God still in our midst? People all around the world are indeed suffering, some more than others, but we are all in the same situation. We are all experiencing this unknown that this virus is creating in our situation. Of course, as you can imagine, I see things a little bit biased. I have, there is a bias in the way I look at things because people in Italy have been suffering in a very, very particular way. They've been in lockdown for a long time. And even though some of you have asked and I appreciate your prayers for my family, they are physically well, 
I can hear in their voice every time I talk to them. Fear, anxiety. Uh, they don't know what is going to happen. And I'm looking at other countries in Europe. France now is going into red alert. Uh, but even in the Middle East, so many people have died. But now we are here. Now in this country we are feeling a little bit the impact. A little bit delayed. And we pray because in a way we are standing on the shoulders of the, all these people who are, have been suffering because of this virus. We are also trying, please God, to learn how to deal with it so we don't commit the same mistakes. And also we are standing on all these scientists who are already have been working for uh, quite some time on ways to deal with it. And I have to tell you, uh, there is a group of scientists from Naples, that's the town where I'm from, that are working, they are using a new medication that uh, is taking care of the symptoms, at the very least the symptoms, so that people can be strong enough to go back home. Isn't it great? Yes. It was something also in, uh, in the New York Times, I believe, that they acknowledged that this group of, of uh, scientists are doing that. So besides pizza and spaghetti with meatballs, maybe we can bring it to the world something else. Okay. But, so, you know, we, we also are experiencing things in our diocese. You notice that some dioceses around, even around ours, are canceling masses. Italy is, they haven't had a mass with congregation in a very long time. And the, the, the decision is up until April the 3rd. You probably have heard that the Pope decided the Holy Week, the Triduum, will be celebrated without the public. Okay? Just to maintain, and because that's how this virus can uh, be taken care of, by stopping the contagion. So it can be done, but on the other hand, we want to look at things as, as a, how can we deal with this without panicking, but without undermining the effects? How can we find a good balance? And this is a question I have to ask myself because I'm a citizen of the world. As you can imagine, I get in touch with a lot of people, right? But also, uh, I've been asking this since uh, Italy got uh, really into this problem. But I'm also a leader of this family. And I said, you know, what can we do to make sure that we don't panic, but we do not undermine? And I started thinking, what do I do when I panic? Why do I panic sometimes? Don't tell anyone, but it does happen. Sometimes I panic, I get fearful when there are so many choices in front of me, and I don't have enough knowledge to pick one. So I'm not able to estimate all the possible outcome, and, and I get panicky because I don't have enough time. I have to make a decision, and I don't have enough time. For example, imagine you are on, uh, I'm on I-95, and I have to exit, right? So what happens in my mind, I know what the exit is, and I have to make decisions so that I will actually exit at the right exit. I have to keep planting, right? And then I have to estimate how much my, the wheels of my car have to turn in order for me to get there, when to do that, the speed 
that I need to make it without coupling over. It can be entertaining, but that's really not what we're going to go for. But, so all these things are done by your mind without even thinking. Did you, did you notice how quickly these things are, these decisions are made without even realizing it? But what happens, for example, if I'm on a street I do not know, my GPS lost connection, I have one of those that lose connection. I always feel like it's giving up on me, like, you're on your own, dude. Like, oh my God. Okay. Uh, then imagine there is a thick fog, cars coming in every direction, you know, all around me, and I don't know exactly when the exit is. What happened? You start getting a red alert, right? I hold on on the wheels and I feel the knuckles. Even when I arrive, my hands are still like this because I put too much. That's when we panic, when we don't know what's ahead of us. We don't have enough information. So how can we not panic about this situation? When we find information from good sources. There is a lot of junk out there. And of course, even in situations like this, which I think is the real, quote unquote, virus that is tearing us apart, all the information has to be politicized, you know, one against another, we are twisting this so that the other people can look back. I'm unfollowing and hiding a lot of these people. They share bad information. They, we need to stop this. So where do we get information? From reliable sources. Of course, from reliable sources. And everybody has to do it in their own way. We don't want to overwhelm ourselves because that you have the opposite problem when you put too much information there all at once. For me, I, well, that's me. I made a decision because that's the way my brain works. I signed up for an online course on infectious disease and viruses because I realized I don't know much about these things. Last time I learned something about this was in bio high school biology, which seemed like after the wheel, there was my textbook. You know, right? It's so different. It's so different. But it's okay. So I said that my niece is a biologist, so I'm asking her a lot of questions. So why? Because it's part of the world, and it's the part that uh, of the culture that what we're all going through. That's my way of dealing with this. You probably are not surprised. I read, I study. That's how I deal with the world. You have to make things, choices, based on your personality. But information is always good. Why? Because if we are not informed, we are going to make it up. And that's where we get into trouble. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we do not fall into the mistakes that a lot of countries have made at the very beginning when we did not have information. Like, oh, it's just an influenza, just like the flu. Yes and no. This is different. Oh, but there have always been other viruses. Of course, even in the United States, right? I remember, <coughs> excuse me, when I went to Hyde Park and um, I was visiting, you know, the, the United States dealt with polio, you remember? You know, viruses are part of our lives. But this one is peculiar. The way it spreads is very peculiar. For example, now in Italy, they are doing the social distancing. That's how we're calling it today. I don't know if you heard this expression. It's making sure that we don't gather in, uh, with a lot of people. And even when we gather, 
we make sure that we are distant from each other a meter and a half. I don't really know how much is it. You know, you go in home and calculate. You know, but this is what we do. That's what they do. Okay? And you make a distance, you know, whatever. This is the distance so between you and, and then that's it. My sister was telling me that even in the supermarkets, that's how they have to handle these things. They go in small amounts depending on how large the store is. And they created, the, they put these lines on the floor and they had to readjust the flow so that two people going in opposite direction in the same aisles don't cross because it's too close. It's created, it gets a lot of stress because you know people have to do. But that's how we do it. And we do it, we Christians do whatever we need to do out of love. In Italy there is this campaign, I'm staying home, because that's how you contain the spread. But we as Christians stay at home out of love, so that somebody else will not get sick. It doesn't matter whether I will get sick or not. We all have to contain it. And we have to be incredibly creative. I was telling you there are dioceses all around us that have canceled masses, masses with congregation. We are still having it. Uh, we heard, for, I'm sure by now you heard that Bishop, the Bishop has lifted the obligation to come to Mass. So each one of, of you, I would say each one of us, I really need to come and say Mass. But you, you, know, there is a, you can make a choice. Of course the Bishop also said, don't just make a choice because no church today. You know, it's, use common sense. You will see some changes as well. You notice that our offertory now, the basket is out there. There will be no basket going around. Why? Because we don't want people to get sick. No sign of uh, peace. Why? Social distancing. We are not trying to be rude. We are just trying to be healthier. And making all these choices that can be a sacrifice out of love for the others. Well, I was thinking about all these things. I was thinking about the woman at the well, who she also chose to be socially distancing herself from the rest of the town. Nobody in the land of Jesus goes to pick up water at noon. It's a desert. It's incredibly hot. But she did not want to face the other people. And I like the fact that just as she was doing things, as she always did, in the midst of her isolation, in the midst of her loneliness, in the midst of her disconnection, she encountered Jesus. And Jesus was already there. And what does Jesus do? Just ask her to be loving. Give me something to drink. Even in those moments, we are invited to be loving. So if one day the diocese will decide we will not have mass, suffering, it, it will create a suffering, but we do it out of love. We must do what is best for everybody, not just what I want. If we have to do something, we will do it out of love because we want everybody to get well. Are you with me? So because Jesus is asking us, give me something to drink, be loving to me. And just as we have to love Jesus, we know that the very Jesus is found in our neighbor, in the people who need help. 
In that loneliness, she encountered the one who's basically telling her, you think you are thirsty? I am thirsty for your thirst. This is what God tells us, as the Catechism of the Catholic Church reminds us. God longs for us to look for Him. And whenever we start engaging in this search, we realize He's already there, and He becomes the source of living water. And I hope that today, in this liturgy, celebrated with very few of us, usually this Mass is more <laughs> well attended, but we have to do whatever we have to do knowing that we can become source of new life and that living water that we receive from god is what we give to all people in a way that we can be ever more loving and in the end we hope that every person that looks at us and see how we are committed to love one another not only us but all people they will say we want to get to know that jesus as well because obviously, he really changed your life. And with this in mind, we want to continue to pray, thanking God that even though we may feel that God is not with us, we know that he is already there, waiting for us to encounter him in the most unexpected way, in the most unexpected time. And he is there to offer us, to each one of us, the gift of living water. And my friends, let's continue to pray for one another as we go through this big challenge that we are facing as a nation, as citizens of the world. And let's pray for one another and comply with whatever the church tells us, with whatever our government, our states tell us, so that indeed we can take this issue under control. Please pray for me as I pray for all of you who are listening. And let's journey together closer and closer to the Father's heart. God bless.